Well, isn't it wonderful to have communion together as a church and just to experience the love that God has brought for us as a congregation? The passion in my heart is just to see what I believe the Lord wants to see for all of us, and that is that we can walk in union with His life and then express that life to one another. This morning in our Afrikaans broadcast, we, um, I was talking a little bit about when God created Adam and Eve, and when He made Adam and Eve, he made, or when he made man, he made man in his image and in his likeness, male and female created he them. And the whole thing about God is that he is a more than one God. He's, uh, he's, the, the word God is in the plural, and you guys have heard that many times, um, that, I've taught, uh, that I've been teaching about that. And the great thing is when God made man, he made man in his image and his likeness, and because, he, because of that, man had to be more than one, they had to be the same, yet um, a bit different. Uh, they had to both have an intellect, a mind, a life that they can share with one another. And they also had to have the very ability um, to procreate and that there could be a multiplication in the intimacy of these two beings, exactly um, as what it is in the Trinity. The Trinity fellowship together in heaven. They were, they were talking together, and then one day they said, let us have somebody in our image and likeness. And then they brought forth a person that could have that very same ability to fellowship with him, fellowship with one another, and in that unity have a multiplication. And in that unity that there is between people, I believe um, we can experience a powerful, powerful um, uh, uh, reality of what's going on in the Trinity. It's almost a place where what's true between us and God finds its manifestation and find, find its, um, its fruit. The reality is in Christ and where Christ is at the right hand of the Father. Yet we've been made in physical bodies. We've been, we are more than one on the earth and in this unity that we have, we can uh, have a platform from where or wherein what is in the Trinity and between us and the Trinity can have full expression. And uh, church, that is my passion, is to, to, um, to, to, to have church. And you might say, but Beth, you know, church is such an institutionalized word. Why should we have church? Um, I just believe that that dynamic that there is uh, without one another um, is, uh, um, or let, let me put it this way, there's a death if there is not a fellowship with one another. It would almost be like Adam, you know, where Adam was alone, and he, would, he could have said, well, I've got God, and I've got a garden of my own, and all of that, and uh, that is perfect. Now, when God looked at Adam, and he looked at the perfection in Adam, he looked at the innocence of Adam. He looked at the holiness that there was in Adam. He looked at everything that was in Adam. He looked at all of that, and he said, it is not good. Now, you might say, Matthew, what are you saying? I want to repeat that. When God looked at Adam, in his image and in his likeness, talking about his righteousness, his holiness, uh, access to the tree of life, uh, in perfect innocence, and everything, and God looked at Adam, and he saw that Adam was alone, and he said, it's not good that man would be alone. And he made him a helpmeet. In other words, he made him a person not to help him work, but that person helps him to give full expression to who and what God is inside him. 
uh, and it, it basically helps you, another person, and fellowship with another person helps you to express what's in your heart. Uh, and I think that is where the platform from where ministry should flow. Uh, when we see one another, we say somebody that is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, somebody that I can live towards, that I can express what I experience between me and God, and, uh, and just have that fullness. So church, the reason why we have this internet church, the reason why we have this fellowship is very simple. It is we have been made for it. We have been designed for it. Uh, we can fellowship that way. We can interact that way, um, especially in our face-to-face -face groups and uh, all the different pages and stuff we have. So um, let's get into the word for today. And I just wanted to say that. I wanted to just bring that to you, that you can have a heart uh, that can start to understand more about church and that we can just start a, a spark inside you um, as the Lord started a spark inside me when I, you know, some years ago and, and where he's just explaining more and more of that as I look towards my children, I look towards my wife, I look towards friends and I realize no man is an island. We cannot live without one another. Just being alone, you and your personal relationship with Jesus only is not the uh, is not the, the place of original plan, but the place of original plan was perfection in the individual, full innocence, full righteousness, full everything, and somebody else, which can also share in this life, and then from there we can experience what God has. You know, it would be impossible to have an experience of God's quality of life outside of um, sharing it with somebody that is also like you. Now, like I said, number one, it's between God and us, and then it flows towards one another. And I'm not making a law saying we must come together every Sunday and you must fellowship or anything like that. What I'm just trying to say is there is great power when we fellowship around real truth. Um, there is not power in just people coming together. You know, I find you can get political parties coming together. You can find mafia people coming together. You can find gangs. You can find people coming together. And in that togetherness, people can get drunk. They can overeat themselves. They can gossip. They can whatever. It's not in coming together. There is not a power in coming together. There is a power in the truth manifested where people can actually live it towards one another and share in being happy together, share in, in smiling together, where your heart overflows and you want to say it to somebody. Just um, a basic dynamic about that. I don't know why I talk so long about this, but let me just stress it a little bit more. If you look at uh, social media, social media is, I mean, Facebook uh, is one of the biggest websites in the world. If you look at Twitter, you look at all those kind of things, what is it all about? Especially Facebook. People come and they want to share what's inside them. It is because we are made in the image and the likeness of God. You want to put something up there that somebody else can see how's going with you. Um, how you look, who your family is, where you've been, um, all those kind of things. You know, there's a friend of mine that's just finished the August mountain bike trip. You know, they... Um, they had to put those pictures up. Father and daughter and mom or whatever, they're hugging each other, very happy. They finished the race, smiling and everything. They want to share it with somebody. Why? Because we, we are beings that are designed to function that way. So uh, just the power of this is so, so great. Glory to God. Right, let's get into the word for today. We're going to go to um, John chapter 3. 
John chapter 3, and we're going to talk about the new birth, uh, what it means to be born again. Now, I've preached on this before, and we're going to just minister on this again and uh, just bring forth some of this newer stuff that the Lord has um, brought to my attention, and I trust this is going to bless you. Father, I want to thank you so much for your word. I want to thank you that we can sit here today and we can preach your gospel. We can bring your message of holiness, your message of righteousness, your message of peace, your message of joy to people. Thank you for speaking powerfully through me. Thank you for being here for um, the people that can watch, Elena doing the broadcast and all those kind of things. It's wonderful just to know you. Speak to us. Uh, and uh, we are just willing to bask in the love that you have, Holy Spirit. Amen. <clears throat> the Bible says in John chapter 3, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came, by Je came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that you do except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily I say unto you, except a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Except a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, when we uh, look at um, John 3 verse 1, we have traditionally looked at Nicodemus as a man that has been amongst the Pharisees. Uh, it says here, there was a man of the Pharisees, Nicodemus. And what we saw there is like, you know, once upon a time there was a man amongst the Pharisees and he came to Jesus by night for some reason and then he, 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 he tried to say something to the Lord which we don't really know because it's almost as if God interrupted him or Christ interrupted him and told him, thou must be born again. Now let me give a little bit of background here. Let's read from um, verse 23. Now, when he was in Jerusalem, this is Jesus, at the Passover in the feast day, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did. But Jesus did not, did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men and indeed did not want any that any should testify of man for he knew what was in man. There, amongst those, I want to add in, amongst those that believed upon his name when they saw the miracles that he did on the feast day. Amongst them came a man with the name Nicodemus, and he was of the sect of the Pharisees, or the, he was a teacher that, um, uh, that made a great effort to keep the law as what it was as one had, was supposed to keep it. You know, the Pharisees of those days were actually revivalists. They, they, um, what they did was they said, guys, we are not following the customs of Moses. We're not following the law. We are just living as we want. Let's take the scripture. Let's live as the scripture says. Let's do what God says we must do. Let's look at all the traditions and everything that our forefathers followed and what was prescribed by God to us and let us follow that and let us do that. And they were dedicated to follow every point and comma of the law in a sincereness of heart to try and do what God says. And they were also expecting the Messiah. So these Pharisees were not bad people. 
they were really dedicated. They, they were people that, that were, they were seeking God, man, if you want to call it like that. They were studying Scripture forever. They were praying. They were doing everything that was written in this book. Like Paul himself said, according to the righteousness of the law, he was blameless. Meaning, he kept all the laws that had to be kept in the dressings and the washings and all those kind of things. Yet, he did not have the power unto a brand new life, which can only come from God. Now, these people saw the miracles Jesus did, and then they believed in his name. Yet, a person that believed in the name of Jesus on account of miracles, Jesus said to that person, you need to be born again. Now, I've seen that in church as well. We find that uh, we will see a miracle. You know, I remember when I went to TB Joshua in Nigeria and we just saw all these miracles and all those kind of things. You would find thousands of people starting to call on the name of the Lord, start saying, I believe in God. You know, I believe God exists. I see these miracles and all those kind of things. Yet, a lot of those people didn't have the new birth. They didn't have the new birth. Um, that when you would share grace with them, they wouldn't understand what you're talking about. Um, because the life they had was born from a supernatural thing has happened. This must be God. Now, that can happen with, um, with, with many people that, that does supernatural things. If something supernatural happens, you know, we can say there is something special about this person. If a young person comes and he plays uh, the piano at the age of six very well, you will say he's gifted of God. Or you will say this is a special child, you know, or something, there's something special. But what you see is um, you see something that's out of the ordinary. And because of that, you are saying, I believe there's something special. That's exactly what the Pharisee uh, Nicodemus basically did. He believed, he saw the miracles, and then when he saw the miracles, he said, man, I believe that this guy, this Jesus guy, must be from God. He must be from God. They, they believed on him. They, they started to trust because in the name, you know, in, 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 I mean, Jesus would come and he would do things, and they would say, man, I started to believe in, in, in his character. I started to believe that this guy must be from God. And when he believed that, he was at the place where he could now actually be open for the new birth. You might say, Bertie, but, um, you know, we have traditionally just said, if I've said, sorry for my sin, I'm born again. Uh, let me tell you this, uh, let me try and explain it this way. I remember when I understood grace for the first time, my words were, I was born again again. That is what, what I said, I was born again again. Maybe you are watching this and you're saying, I'm born again. I received Jesus sometime in my life. I believe God has walked with you. God has been with you. But there is still a place for a believer that he can become born from above, born from God. And uh, we're going to look at that today. Now, I know some of you might say, but Bertie, what are you talking about? Please just stick with me in this. I'm not trying to preach a new revelation. I'm not trying to um, promote my ministry by trying to be weird or anything like that. We just want the truth, and I want your heart to be established in the goodness of God. 
I want you to understand how the new birth takes place and why it is that sometimes we don't understand certain things. You might be watching uh, today and you might say, I've heard about grace things, I've heard about the grace message, but um, I don't understand what it's all about. Yes, God is good, so what kind of thing. I don't understand everything. It's almost as if these guys that talk about grace, they come in and they, they like the wind, you know. We don't know where they come from and we don't know where they're going. Jesus said to Nicodemus, I tell you, except a man is born again, he cannot see or comprehend the kingdom of God. So what Nicodemus comes and he's amazed. He says, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time in his mother's womb and be born? Now, Nicodemus here actually is actually saying something extraordinary because in those days... Um, should a person repent of their sin and become a follower of a certain doctrine, it would be uh, seen as a new birth. But Nicodemus comes and he is so sure that he is correct about his doctrine. He's so sure that he is correct about what he says and what he believes and, and, and in his dressing and in his keeping of the law and everything that his mind immediately, when Jesus said he must be born again, immediately went to physical birth where if you would, um, in the days, I would, next Sunday I'm going to talk a little bit about baptism and just how the uh, baptism took place in the Old Testament and all different washings and baptisms and stuff. And that will help you a lot in understanding the new birth. But in those days, what they basically believed was if a person had sin, they could go and baptize themselves under the teaching of a Pharisee or a teacher of the law or... Um, what we would call a, a, a rabbi or someone with authority. He would speak as, Jesus would speak as somebody with authority. Somebody that has, was so learned in the law that he had authority to make disciples and lead them in his way of living. And when these people would come, and this is how the baptism would take place, um, like John, for instance, John would stand in the river and he wouldn't take somebody and put him under the water and pick him up like we do today. I don't know where that comes from, but that is not how it, what happened back then. What happened back then is that man would teach and then people would come and as that man was teaching, the people would come and baptize themselves. That means they would walk into the water, go under the water by themselves and stand up. And what, what they did in that was to say, I washed myself from what I used to believe and I stand up tall, I stand straight up in the doctrine that this man teaches and that would then be seen as the, the guy who baptized, in this case let's say John, that made disciples, John um, bringing people over into his way of living and that would be called a new birth. That would be called a new birth. You would repent and follow a different doctrine. That would be called a new birth. And here Jesus comes and he speaks to uh, Nicodemus. Um, you know, he was a Pharisee and he was not just a Pharisee, he was a ruler of the Jews. This guy was a big shot. There was no way that this man could ever believe that his doctrine could be wrong. There was no way. He was following everything to the letter. And what Jesus was saying to him, Jesus said to him, you need a new birth. What Jesus said to him is, um, you need to go to a place 
and have yourself washed from what you believe and stand up tall in the doctrine of another man or another man's way of living or another man's teaching. And unless you do that, you will never be able to see, you will never comprehend the kingdom of God or God's way of doing. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? You see, what Nicodemus comes and what he does here. He finds his identity in being a Jew. He finds his identity and he says, Well, the only way I can ever enter the kingdom is if I'm a Jew. But Jesus comes and says to him, You know, it's not about being a Jew. You need another doctrine. This doctrine of thinking you're a Jew and that you thereby can have salvation or following the law. You need to be washed from that and see that as something you need washing from, that you need cleansing from. And then as you stand up in the teaching of another person, which in this case would be Jesus himself, then you would start, then the teacher, which would be Jesus then, would bring you over into his way of living by his knowledge and his goodness and his guidance and his discipleship. That is what he would do. So um, for us as people, we need to understand. Let's, let's get to tithing, for instance. And I know I've hammered on this many times, but it is something that works very practical that we can understand. If you believe that you need a tithe to be blessed, God is not going to punish you for that. God is not going to be against you. But as long as what you believe that in your heart, I want to tell you, and as long as what you've got room for that law in your heart, you will not be able to see the kingdom of God as pertaining to finances. You will be blinded to it. You will not understand what's going on. You will not understand this free will giving. You will not understand any of that. You will not understand how blessing comes. You will not understand any of that. And I want to go further. Unless you are at a place where you come to a point where you can say, I actually need to be washed from the filth of that doctrine. And where you can willfully, from your, by yourself, walk into a place where you say, I am now washed from the lie I believe. And I stand up and I'm saying, Jesus teach me. You will never be able to see or experience what the kingdom of God as pertaining to finances is all about. Although it can be happening to you. God can bless you with things. God can be good to you about certain things. But you will not be able to see that. I've, I've seen this testimony upon testimony, church, where we would have people say, well, I just wish God can do something for me. But if you look from the outside at their life, you would say, but God is doing so many things for them. But they can't see it. It's simply because of a wrong belief. Now, um, Nicodemus goes on, uh, Jesus goes on, he says, Verily I say unto you, except a man is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So he said to him, Nicodemus, unless you come to a place of water where you can repent of what you've believed, have a washing of water, baptism, and born of the Spirit, meaning that a new basic principle a new way of thinking, a new way of belief becomes the foundation from where you look at things. 
you will not experience or even enter into this kingdom. Now, that was a big thing for Nicodemus to hear because what they believed was that the Messiah would come and that he would bring forth his kingdom upon the earth and then he would exercise almost like a dictatorship or a rulership over all the nations and he would govern the nations. And all of a sudden, Jesus said to him, you know, you will not even be a partaker of the kingdom of the Messiah unless you are born of water and the Spirit, unless you come to a place where you say, I can be washed from what I've believed and I can now be raised up into a new, um, into a new basic principle from where I reason. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So what he's saying is, he comes and says to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you know, if you come as a Jew, and as a Jew, you want to um, follow the customs of, of Moses, and you find your identity just in the flesh, and in the physical birth from your parents, that will remain flesh. And I want to add in my words, sin dwells in the flesh, and the kingdom of God, since the kingdom of God is a spirit kingdom and functions on the things of the spirit, you cannot enter into that, uh, Nicodemus. And you might say, Bertie, why are you saying all these things? This is why I want, this is, this is the reason, and this is where, what I'm driving at. Church, um, as we continue to grow in the message of God's love for us, as we continue in what God has given us, um, let us encourage one another in this message, for this is the only way wherein we can see the kingdom, understand the kingdom, enter into the kingdom, is by being at a place where we can see the washing of the water of the word, which is a place where we declare we are washed from laws, we are washed from legalism, we are washed from all those things. We wash from the belief of, of, of ability and by that we will have life, and where we can see the spirit we, wherein God operates, which is the spirit of holiness, the spirit of innocence. And holiness, I want to, this morning I defined holiness in church as well. If we say a father is holy, what does that mean? It means that he spends time with his kids, he loves his children, he's good to them, he, he, he enjoys their company, he's a good father. That is a holy father. And if we talk about the holiness of God, we talk and we want to declare God as holy and as our God, then he has to be the one that protects us. He has to be the one that cares for us. He has to be the one that makes sure that, it, that he feeds us and provides a kingdom where we can live and where there's a, a stable economy and all those kind of things. He has to do that. And I'm not talking about a physical economy. I'm talking about a kingdom thing here. He has to provide that. Unless he provides that, he's not a holy God. He cannot be seen as a God. So if we say the kingdom of God is a kingdom of holiness, we are talking about a place wherein God is God in your life, where God is the one that brings forth righteousness in you, where God is the one that brings forth life in you, where God is the one that brings forth peace in you. Amen. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it, where it wants, and you hear the sound thereof, but you cannot tell where it comes and where it goes. So is every man that is born of the Spirit. Now, what is Jesus saying here to Nicodemus? He says to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you know what? What I'm talking about here is spiritual. I'm actually telling you, 
you need to go and repent from what you believe. You believe in me. You believe that I am sent from God. Now, since you believe that I'm sent from God, let me give you a word from God. The miracles that Jesus did gave Jesus a foothold in the life of Nicodemus so that Jesus, Nicodemus could actually come to Jesus and say to Jesus, Jesus, I see you, you are from God. Then Jesus said, well, if you say I'm from God, you are right. But let me give you then a word from God. But as I'm about to give you this word, you will look at me and think I'm crazy. Because what I'm about to say to you is from another way of thinking. You are thinking you are, and, and, and this is just, I'm just using my own words to try and explain this. You are thinking that you are okay. You are thinking that you are on the pathway of salvation. You are thinking in obeying all these laws, you're going to be part of the rule of the Messiah. Let me tell you something. You need to be washed from this filth. It shocked Nicodemus so much that he said, must I now enter into my mother's womb again? What is this? How can a man when he's old be born again? Because his mind couldn't register that Jesus is talking about repenting from finding your identity in Judaism. Now, um, I've had somebody in the, in the web, web fellowship also write me and say, you know, that in their area, uh, I think it's in Texas somewhere, they, um, they find a lot of people that sticks to this Judaism thing and it's all about Christian Judaism and all of that. If that is what you believe, this is not, not trying to be harsh or anything, but man, you need to be washed from that filth. And if I say you need a repentance, you might say, but I've now just opened my mind to this Judaism thing. I've just opened my mind to all of this. And how can you tell me that I need to be washed from this and have a brand new spirit from where I operate? That's crazy. And Jesus knew that that would be what Nicodemus would hear and that it will just slap him around a bit, you know. This is too much. And that's why he says, marvel not. Marvel not that I say to you, you must be born again. So what he says is, please don't be amazed now. Because if I come to you in the Spirit, the natural thing for you would be, oh my goodness, what is this? But please don't put it in that category of, who's this crazy guy? What is he trying to say? Is he a weirdo? What's going on with him? He says, please don't have that. It's a normal thing that when truth comes and when the Spirit comes and when somebody comes from the perspective of the Spirit and he starts to talk to somebody that's in the flesh and passionately in the flesh, passionately, and when I talk about in the flesh, I'm not talking about smoking and drinking. I'm talking about passionately trying to serve God by laws. If a spirit guy, a guy from the Spirit of God comes and talks to a person that is in the flesh, trying to follow the customs of the law, he would look at him in utter amazement. Almost like Jesus and Peter and then when Jesus said, it is impossible for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God, or very difficult for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Then Peter and them said, well, if a rich man cannot be saved, who can be saved? They marveled at what Jesus said because Jesus came with, he was functioning inside the Spirit. And what Peter and them needed was, they needed to be washed 
These Peter and James and those guys, they were following Jesus. They were doing miracles in the name of Jesus. And they were so flooded with a, with a mindset of Satan. To the point that Jesus even said to Peter one day, get behind me, Satan, when Peter came with his fleshly mindset again. And we see this thing, and what was happening was Jesus was bringing an atmosphere, and, and he was in a place where they at least could believe upon him to follow him. But as they were following him, what he was uh, um, driving at, and what he was trying to get to happen in their life, is that they can be born again. That they can actually come to a place where they say, let me be washed from the belief that a rich man richness or riches is the sign of the approval of God and that is a sign that you'll be partaker of the kingdom. You need to be washed from that and you need to believe something else. You need to believe that the Spirit of God can simply make somebody that relies upon the Father, although he carries all the sin of all the world, that he can raise him from the grave and that immortality can be the inheritance we will receive in the kingdom of God. That is what Jesus was trying to communicate with these guys. And it was, I think it was difficult for Jesus in certain cases. So um, what I'm trying to say here is, please understand that the, um, the concept that of, of the new birth is not what we thought it was. Um, Jesus wants to come and he wants to bring a place where we, like the disciples, like other people, can come and say, we believe upon you, Lord, now speak to me. And as Jesus says things, be ready. And this is what Jesus said. Don't marvel. This is normal. If I tell you things of how the kingdom really is, you might say, no way. No way. The wind blows where it wants, and you hear the sound thereof, and you cannot tell where it comes and where it goes. So is every man that is born from the Spirit. You know, in the Jewish mindset it was, I come from this lineage, and I'm on my way there in the kingdom of God. He that's of the Spirit, you don't know where he comes from. It's not about what he was saying, he that is born of the Spirit is not a person that finds identity in where he comes from in Jewish lineage. He doesn't care about any of that. It is not important. And where he goes in this life, in other words, the normal things of this world and the blessings that the Jews found as very um, important, it's not even important to this person. I remember when, the, when I, I, I'm about to print my book on finances and uh, um, we had these printers, uh, people would, would uh, distribute the book for us. And uh, they came and they said, no, we, we should ask. The book is 350 pages and what you wrote is quite unique and this and this. We should sell the book for $25. I said, my goodness, you know, that's not what I want. You know, I, I, I said to the publisher, they said, no, but what do you want? I said, man, we, I want to see how we can get this book at the lowest possible cost to people. Th that is what I want to see. Yeah, but you know, don't you want to make a lot of money? That is not the vision of the book. <laughs> the vision is not that. The vision is that 
that we can get this gospel to people. But sir, people wouldn't mind to pay $25 for the book. That is how the world is. You need to understand that. I said to them, well, the very thing you want me to do is what I wrote against. It is not in my heart. I don't want, and I could see they, they had three or four different people call me and try and, try and find out what I'm saying because they couldn't understand. The vision is to get it to people. That's it. If we must ask a fee for putting it in printed format to just to cover cost or stuff like that, we can do that. But we will find my book available for free um, in e-format because we want to have this message go to people. Now that you cannot try and get people to do. It's something that gets born from a new uh, from from from, from a, a, a different understanding. So he comes to Nicodemus, which was a believer in Jesus, and says to him, Nicodemus, you need to be born again. And I find that how my life has been born again when I started to realize things like, um, you know, God is only good and only love. When I start to understand that, all of a sudden I can start to see things in the Old Testament which I could never understood, which I would read over and over and over. I cannot understand what was said because I was born from, I'm now born from God is my father. I'm part of a brand new kingdom. And I've seen the old as filth, like the Apostle Paul. He says, I count the old things but dung. And as you could count the old things but dung, not even on account of knowing the new, but on account of knowing that it never produced true life in you. Count the dung, it doesn't work. That's dung. The moment that happens in your heart, you are open for more. And then you'll find God come and bring things to you that will bring a new birth to your life. Verily I say unto you, we speak that which we know and testify of that which we have seen and you receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you believe me not, how shall, how shall you believe when I tell you heavenly things? In other words, he says to him, listen, man, it will be difficult for you to understand what I am actually trying to say. And now he's going and he explains how this new birth is going to take place. In verse 14 he says, Then um, as Moses was lifted up, uh, lifted the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So what he comes, he says to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, this is how you can receive the new birth. You need to see Jesus as the Son of Man, which is in heaven and on earth, meaning he is man seated with God. And that that man, in the, that man Jesus, which would which would carry all the sin of the world, when you can see him in the highest authority representing all of man, crucified. And you can see the end of the poison of the snake. And you can see that the Son of Man, that the whole system that you guys work by, that it is actually something that is devilish, that's got a poison inside it, and that it was nailed to the cross, that the man of flesh, the man of works, that it was nailed to the cross, and that that is only death. That we can see that 
the, the demonstration of the fullness of the law manifested in Christ, which is death. That, he can, that we can see that. When we can see and believe that the snake system is ended in Christ, when we can believe that, when we can see the death of that, what will take place? All of a sudden, the death that's inside our bodies will cease. Do you remember what happened in Numbers 21? They were against um, the manna. And they detested the manna that fell from heaven. And what happened when they rejected Christ, that's actually what happened there. Then the serpent came, fiery serpents came and bit them. And when a snake bites you, there's poison inside your body and you're dying. And then if you can, and then what God told Moses was take a snake and put it upon a, a cross, on a pole. And when whosoever can look at the snake upon the pole or crucified... So when we can have the revelation that that which brings death in me, that when I didn't want it for free, when I didn't want manna from heaven for free, when I didn't want what God gives for free, when I looked at that and I said, I don't want for free, I detest this, that I could see that Satan's, what comes out of Satan's mouth poisoned me because when you detest what's for free, when you detest what's easy, you are poisoned with a, with a doctrine of the devil. And when you can see that Satan's authority and Satan's power was ended upon the cross in the death of Christ, you know what will happen? The very power that kills you will cease. And you will find, I was dying, but now I live again. That is born again. You were dying, and now you are born from the revelation of the crucified snake. The snake's doctrine was this. I am what I do. And Jesus Christ came, incarnated Him into our darkness, took all our sin upon Him, fully identified with us, and He went and He was baptized by John, which was the baptism of repentance. We had to confess sin. He, Jesus, went in there. He put Himself under the water. He stood up. John walked out of the water with him and the Spirit of God came upon him. He carried, fully identified with our sins, went to the cross, died as a man, as the, as, as the man carrying the sin of all people. And we see that Satan's, Satan's system was crucified and ended because the Bible says the commandments which was contrary to us was nailed to the cross. So when we can see that, oh my goodness, what happens? You start to live. You start to live for the first time. And that is how the new birth takes place. That is how the new birth takes place. So church, um, let us be open and say, God, thank you that I can be born again. Not as in I've repented from my sins and I've tried to follow Jesus, but in the place where I can see the crucified snake, in the place where I can see the Son of Man lifted up and we can see Him die there, wherein the poison that was inside us, which is the power of sin in the flesh, dies because we don't have any contract with the law anymore because we see ourselves as part of the family of God, not enslaved under the Pharaoh of Egypt and all of those things, but that we are the free people of God, that the kingdom belongs to us, where we can become familiar with God and see Him as part of our family. When we start to see that, I tell you, that is when 
when we are born of the Spirit, and that day, from that day, you will only start to see the kingdom of God and start to experience the kingdom of God. And what that means is that you've got a whole life in front of you of experiencing all the dimensions of the goodness of God. And what we have done, and, and I end off with this, is we've seen miracles, and we were just, wow! And then we fly to a place where there's miracles, and we just want to be under the anointing. We want to be where it's dripping with the anointing. We want to be under the power. We want to, and you know, we are amazed. We are like Nicodemus. Wow, this guy that is somewhere, let's say in Malmesbury, or somewhere in the world, he must be from God. You know, and then we are just amazed with that, and we are so excited. We see the supernatural. Glory to God. And then we go and we say, well, this name of Jesus, you know, we believe upon it and we use it. We can see miracles. And we would go and say, God gave us authority. Let us cast out demons. Then we start to cast out devils. And we come running and jumping to the presence of God and say, Lord, we are so happy that even devils are subject to your name, subject to us in your name. And then we hear Jesus say, don't be happy because these devils are subject to you. Rather be happy because your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You know, that is, that's a true joy. That's what it's about. You know, and then when we come to the place,